Let's clap our hands unto the Lord as he comes to this pulpit. God bless you, Brother Kaufman. Hallelujah. It's always an honor to be in the house of God. I think that sometimes that we... We get busy, we get absorbed in life. Life just happens. We get absorbed and we get busy in the goings and the comings of the day. And yet, we still come to the house of God. And we still worship. We still pray. We still exalt the name of Jesus, but I think that sometimes that we hold ourselves back a little bit and are a little bit reserved. And I, and I wonder tonight if if we've come here really to plug in, or have we come here just to come to church? And I know that some of us would say. When I go to church, that's what I do is plug in. But sometimes in, in this day and age in which we live, it is so easy to become disconnected and not even realize that you've become disconnected. Not even realize that it's not quite plugged in. It's not quite receiving all the information that is there. Just a real quick note that come to my mind. There is a GTN GPS system that functions on the plane to keep you the direction that you should go. And there's a lot of information that comes in to that system. The autopilot runs off of the system. Other traffic that's around you runs off of that system. We had some work done on that system. When we come back, there was... A very important piece that wasn't talking. The transponder, the ADSB wasn't talking to my GTN and I wasn't giving getting real-time traffic of other airplanes in the air. The GPS was still functioning. I could still run the autopilot. I could still fly the airplane. And I still had a certain level of comfort. But just come to find out that Whenever they plugged it back in, they didn't just push it all the way in. And I was losing some vital information. Could it be tonight that we've come to the house of God and we're plugged in? Oh, we're functioning. We're happening. We're doing what we think we need to do. But we're not getting everything that God has for us because we're not completely plugged in. Tonight, I want to, I want to give you my heart, but I want you to completely plug in to what I have to say. Completely to plug in to what God has given me to give to you. Can we do that? Can we agree right now? God, I love you, and I thank you, Lord. I want to put everything aside. I want to get my carnality captive, God. I want to move into a realm right now, Lord. Lord, that I'm going to plug into you. I'm going to listen to what thus saith the Lord. I'm going to listen to what you have for me, God, because I want what you have in this day and age. I need what you have. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
book of Acts, third chapter. Thank you, Brother Bradford. Again, I count myself leaf worthy. I love hearing the other preachers on this platform. But I'm going to give you my all. I agree, or I commit to you right now that I'm going to give you everything I have tonight, both barrels. Acts chapter 3, beginning with one, verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple in the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. He gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately... His feet and ankle bones strengthened, and he leaping stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Going to Acts chapter 4, verse number 4. Howbeit, many of them heard the word believed. And the number of them was about 5,000. Skipping down to the seventh verse. And when, he, and when they had sent them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Peter, being filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people, elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he was made whole, be it known unto you all, to the, all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught, of you builders, which became the head of the corner. My favorite verse. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Put your Bibles down. Raise your hands in the air. And begin to pray for the remainder of this service. God, we love you. God, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I ask that you would hide me in behind the cross. Lord, let me deliver what you've given to me, Lord, like you've given it to me. With the anointing and with the fervency and with the burden. Lord, let me deliver that burden to your people, God. I honor you. I thank you. It is to you that deserve and go all the glory. 
In your wonderful name, I pray, that name that is above every name, in Jesus' name, you can be seated. We sang tonight about being a way maker. Jesus made a way when there was no way. We praised God. We danced. We shouted. We give him glory because Jesus made a way when there was no way. How do I know he's a way maker? Because he's brought me out. I know what he's done for me. I'm looking at the past and I know what the miraculous things that God has done. I know that God is on the throne and he's all seeing and all knowing and I know that he's a way maker and I can dance and I can shout and I can worship him because he's made a way when there was no way. When I, when I was financially strapped, somehow I made it through. Whenever my mental capabilities wasn't there, somehow God pulled me out. Whenever I couldn't see up from being so far down, it was God that pulled me out. Why? Because he's a way maker and I worship him and I dance and I shout because he's a way maker. He makes a way out of no way. When it seems you have nowhere to go, when it seems you're at the dead end, all of a sudden it's God that shows up and he said, let me be your way maker. Let me pull you out. Let me carry you through. Why? Because I can be your way maker and we worship him for that. We can all get on our feet When we think about the goodness of God, when we think about the miraculous things he's done, it's easy to worship him. It's easy to get, to get excited because we know that we have and we serve a God that is capable. We know that we serve a God that in our time of need, we can call on him, and he's going to be there. We know that when we're sick, we can call him, and by his stripes we are healed. We know that peace comes from him. When we're in turmoil, he is the peace giver. And we worship, and we praise, and we dance, and we shout, because he's a way maker. He provides. Tonight, for a few minutes... I want to preach my heart. On overlooked or undervalued miracles. Overlooked or undervalued miracles. We find that in the reading of the text that it was Peter and John that are Walking Bryson, would you help me out and just just kind of sit on that bottom step? Just 
Peter and John that are making their way to the house of worship. It's Peter and John that are walking away and they're, they're talking about the good things that God has done. Sure, there's some excitement in their heart because God's the way maker, because they're coming off the high of, of walking on the day of Pentecost and there all the people listening to them and they were in the upper room and, and, and the dancing and the shouting and the, and the very spirit and the anointing of God had rested upon them and, and filled them like as a fire and clothing tongue set upon them that had never happened before. So they're, they're, they're excited about this and they're, and they're chatting with each other as they're walking to the temple. I want you to get this picture in your mind as, as they're just two men walking just two men on the way to church like we do sometimes. We get into just the routine. We're just going to church. But, oh, wasn't that something last Sunday night? Man, we had, we had a church service. All the young people. Everybody up on the platform dancing and worshiping because we had a reason to, because God had brought us out and God had made a way, and we're just walking on our way to church. We're just, we're just going to church, and there he is, the man, the lame man that the Bible tells us since his birth. Bible lets us to know that he was over 40 years old. So I can assume that for 20 years or more they've been taking him to this same gate called beautiful. I'm just wondering how beautiful that gate was to the lame man that 20 years in and out he sat there and people had walked past him. On their, on their way to church. On their way to worship. And he's sitting there and he can't move. He's sitting there and he's looking up at them with eyes going, can you help me? As they walked past him, because I'm sure that some of them didn't have the financial means to drop anything in his cup. So they looked back at him. Sorry, I got to walk on past you. Or maybe it was that as they're walking past him, they don't even look his way because this maybe is a little bit of shame. Because he's sitting there day after day, nothing's changed. But then one day, it was Peter and John that are walking to the temple. And the lame man looked at them, and they looked at him. The Bible says that their eyes fastened on each other. And he's looking at that lame man, and I'm sure, if you can allow me to use my imagination, that Peter looked at John... And John looked at Peter. They looked back at him. 
and they were thinking the same thing. We've got something that he needs. I don't know exactly what was going through their mind, but they were looking at him when their eyes fastened on him. And they, and they began to say, Peter said, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise. Amen. But at that point, faith had to shift. Peter had enough faith. But somehow, some way, in our heart and in our mind, we have to be able to, as children of God, as disciples and apostles of his word and his anointing, we have to be able to shift our faith to the faithless. We've got to be able to look at them when we realize that we're not going to be able to monetarily help them because we know what they're going to do with it. We have to be able to say that we know that we can't counsel them. I don't have any counseling that's going to help you, brother. I don't have anything. I can't send you to any doctors that are going to help you because I don't know of any. But all I can do is release a little bit of faith into your world and say, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, arise and walk. There's got to be a faith transition. There's got to be something in you that says, hey, I've got enough faith and I've got enough boldness in the Holy Ghost that I'm going to reach out to someone in need, that I'm going to reach out with someone that maybe I've passed and maybe I've walked by day after day and I'm going to reach out to them and I'm going to say, silver and gold, have I none? I can't probably give you what you're wanting. I I don't have what you need. I'm not going to give you any pharmaceuticals. I'm not going to give you any alcohol. But let me tell you something. I'm going to give you something that's going to change your life if you'll accept it. A faith transition. And then the Bible tells me that Peter and John walked with him into the temple. My Bible doesn't tell me if this man had ever been in the temple. But I have to believe and I have to think by the way that the Bible tells me what happened. That this was probably his first time in the temple. Because the Bible lets me to know that he said he was walking and they were leaping. Not just one of them, but they were all leaping and worshiping. What's going to happen whenever you find the person in need and you walk with them and you leap with them? I'm going to show you how to worship. You're not going to have to do this on your own. You're not going to have to do this by yourself. But we're here together because I'm going to show you how to worship. The unseen, the overlooked was that miracle of faith transfer. We don't look at it because Peter and John, when they said, look on us, 
You can read that wrong and think that maybe they were beefed up because why? They just come off of a big revival. Peter, he's the first conference preacher. He preached the word. 3,000 people repented. Just come out of an upper room experience. He wasn't saying, look on us as Peter. The one that stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. I don't think he was saying, look on me as the holder of the keys to the kingdom. But I think that Peter was saying, look on us. We're men like you. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. Peter's saying, look on us. I've got the same issues you have. Peter's saying, look on us. I need the same salvation that you need. Look on us. I'm no better. I'm not a priest. I'm not a Sadducee. I'm not a Pharisee. All I am is a disciple of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm nothing and I'm nobody. But can I tell you that what I have in me, what God's placed in my heart, what God put in my mind, you need it and it can change your very life. Faith transfer. Told Stacy today that Brother Bradford had trampled all over my my message and then he went back and got his rubber boots on and trampled on it some more and then he went back and got hip waders and just waded into it but I couldn't get away from it so God's been dealing with me and I may be preaching to me right now but I'm going to preach we cannot, as a church, discount the lame that are in the church spiritually. The spiritually lame. It's not their fault. They're on the fringes. They're not quite connected. They're not quite tied in, but they're still here. They're still showing up. They're, they're spiritually lame. They, they, they know about it and they understand it, but they're spiritually lame. Oh, God help us that too many times we walk down the aisle and we look over and say, oh, that's just so and so. But for 20 years, he sat on the steps of the gate called Beautiful. And then one day, one day, he was still there 
the day that Peter and John walked his way. One day, that lame individual, that individual that's lame in spirit, that's not quite connected, that wants to be but doesn't know how to be, one day, if he's still in the house of God, if we don't discount him, one day, there's going to be a message preached. One day, there's going to be an arm reached out. One day, there's going to be an act of kindness. One day, God's going to say, I'm going to turn his world around. One day, he's going to arise and take up his bed and walk. We cannot discount those that are in our midst that are in need. We can we can dance about the miracles just going to tell you that my dad, when I was five years old, he was involved in an accident, in an explosion that blew up his legs. They pieced him back together, put him all pins and skin grafts, doctors doubted that he would ever walk again, but there was a church that took his name and that need to a God that answers prayers, and my dad walks today. Why? Because God is a miracle worker. And what can we do? We can shout about it. Come on now. We can worship about it. Why? Because we know what he's done. We know what he's been. We know that he can show up right on time. And he's a miracle worker. Not long after that, my dad was involved in a cave-in at work. Ribbed through his lung. They didn't know if he was going to live again. A church petitioned the master physician, and God showed up right on time, and he come out of that hospital to worship and to praise God again, because we serve a miracle-working God. We serve a God that shows up right on time, a God that's going to give the answer when the answer is needed. Those are great miracles. Those are in the front. Those are in the forefront. We can remember. We can look back and we can worship them. Worship about them and praise about them. But the often overlooked and undervalued miracle Is in 1967, my dad, a young man, there was a preacher 
that had the boldness to look my dad square in the face and tell him you're not man enough to live for God. And then my dad, my dad repented of his sins, was buried in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ to come up speaking another tongue and has lived this life every day of his life. That is the overlooked and undervalued miracle. That is a miracle of salvation. Yeah, we dance and we shout about God raising him up out of almost death and raising him up and repairing his legs but how many times can we worship and praise him about the miracle of salvation? It's overlooked and sometimes it's over. We, we, just, we just put it aside as every day that we live, we live in the grace of God and it's a great thing. We're thankful But we can come up here and we can dance and we can shout about a way maker that's made a way out of no way. When's the last time that you've been by yourself and begin to dance and begin to shout and begin to pray? Because of your salvation. There should be a conviction in our heart that says, hey, God, you're a great and mighty God, but the greatest miracle that you've ever given to me is whenever you died upon a cross and you rose again and you applied your blood to my life and I received it. That is the greatest miracle of all. That is the greatest miracle that could ever happen to me. I don't need another miracle. Why? Because God, you've given me the greatest miracle of all. And we see that In our scripture reading that Peter and John they just performed a miracle. God used them to raise a lame man. They go in the church and they're dancing and they're shouting over that lame man walking, but I think is more than that. I think they were dancing and shouting because of salvation had come to that lame man's life because we see that, that John and Peter, whenever the people looked on and they were astonished, it was Peter that took the opportunity right then to stand up and say, allow me to preach to you Jesus and him crucified. And it was 5,000 that received the message that day. Why? Because he preached the, the, the overlooked and the undervalued Miracle. We live in a world and in a day-to-day -day that all they want to do is they want to see the explosions. They want to see the signs and they want to see the wonders. There's churches that are built on signs and wonders. But without that valuable undeniable blood of Jesus Christ that you can apply to your life and it can save your soul from hell. 
Without that, you have nothing. All you have is tinkling brass and silver. All you have is just a show. All you have, you have no depth there. But I'm convinced, or I need in my life, I need depth. I want something that's going to save my soul. But more than that, I want something that's going to sustain me. So I must remember every day that I live, God, I thank you for your salvation. Everything else is great and everything else is good, but let me dance because you saved me. Let me dance because you have applied your blood on my life. I look out on this audience. There's one man that I didn't really know, and to be perfect honest with you, I was a little scared of. Not a whole lot frightens me, but he did. Till I got on a boat and went fishing with him one time in Alaska. I got to talk to him, got to know him. See, before he got in church, before he prayed back through, he was a cigar smoker. Looked to me, I, I didn't even want to approach him because he just looked rough. Tree trimmer, handle a chainsaw, probably like no other. I think I, 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 I talked to his wife and not too long ago, and he still... At his age, he's still chopping trees, and he's still out there working. But I look back at Brother Ospaw. That man's man, that burly man out of church that literally scared me. I didn't even want to talk to him because he just had an aura about him that he looked mean. But that old man's a gentle giant that loves God. And it was the salvation that I worship with him for. It was the blood of Calvary that, that applied to his life. It was that that changed him and made him into what he is today. And we got to worship and we got to praise for the salvation, for the saving power of Almighty God. other stories in here that can be told there's other people there may have been miracles in your life that we don't really know about but there's one thing that every one of us can rejoice with you about Man, I wish somebody would, would get under this burden that I'm on right now. This saying, if we can worship and if we can dance over anything, we ought to be able to worship and dance over the blood of Calvary that has saved our soul. We cannot overlook and we cannot... Oh, we cannot underrate that. We cannot just say that, oh, it seems to me that we just push it aside and it's something that we take for granted. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's that grace that sustains you, that grace that's going to keep you. But I am one that believes that you can outrun that grace. You can outrun that mercy if you try hard enough. You begin to forget and you begin to allow your miracle of salvation to be undervalued. And that grace and that mercy begins to drag and begins to tail behind you until you're slipping away. The lame man how distraught knowing that I've got to depend or I am depending upon the goodness of others to give to me. My view is outside of the gate beautiful. That's all I see. That and my trip back to my home. That's all I know. The miracle of the lame man being healed to him, I'm sure, was elation. But more than that was the kindness that was shown to him and the boldness that said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. We've got a beautiful group of young people that are in this house. You can see in their worship and their praise that they love God. I see it in their dance. I see it when they pray for one another. They have a love for God. But I just wonder have they found the burden? I just wonder have they begin to pray for the boldness to come up to when they see one of them that's suffering that may be lame, maybe having a rough time. 
they'll come up to them and say, hey, man, I'm not going to go hang out with where you're hanging out. I'm not going to go do with what you're doing. I don't really agree with it. But let me tell you something. I want to pray with you. I want to worship with you. We can go do that. That's what I have. That's what I have to offer you. I don't have to offer you going where you're going and doing what you're doing. I don't want to alienate myself from the word of God and from the church. But what I have is I have something that we can go pray and we can go worship. We get back right with God. Have we instilled that in our young people? How better way is it to instill it in our young people? And I'm in no way saying that Holden is having trouble. But how better way is it that we as parents, that we as men of God, We look at them and say, hey, silver and gold, have I none? I don't have what you want. I don't have what you're looking at. I don't have what you're looking for. Your eyes are focused in the world right now, and I don't have that for you. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to deter you from it. But what I have for you is salvation. What I have for you tonight is the joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation. We've got to show them the joy of our salvation. It's not just a Sunday night shout. It's not just a Sunday night when the choir's hopping. It's not just a Sunday night whenever the Spirit's moving. But it's the joy of our salvation. My daily walk with you, God. My daily talk with you, God. I'm going to show these young men and these young women what it is to worship him and what it is to praise him. And they'll know that Brother Laren Kaufman will dance with them. Brother Laren Kaufman will praise with them. Brother Laren Kaufman will show them the joy of his salvation so that when they're going through a trial and when they're going through trouble, they'll know that they can come to me and say, can you pray with me? Link up. And I want them to know that like Peter and John, when that lame man, when they walked, they hadn't been healed. So they couldn't fully understand and get with the joy that he was feeling. But they linked with him, and they didn't let him dance alone. Come on, somebody. Get with what I'm saying here. They didn't let him dance alone. They didn't let him go into that temple alone. 
They didn't let him walk in there by himself. They didn't let him run in there by himself. They kept up with him. That's why we say, hey, whenever you see somebody running, don't let them run alone. When you see someone worshiping, don't let them worship alone. Why? Because there's freedom. Whenever we begin to worship and we begin to pray together, whenever we begin to exalt him together, that is the joy of our salvation. That is the joy of our salvation. That is the overlooked and overrated. That is what the miracle really is. When they get together and they all begin to worship, we're not going to do it alone. Now Holden, that may have been struggling, he's looking at us three going, okay, Maybe they got something. Maybe I can make it. Maybe there is some hope. Maybe there is something into this. Maybe there, I shouldn't look at the world. Why? Because I got these three right here that are in my ear saying, God can heal you. God can make it right. God's going to make it better. It's not all doom and gloom. It's not all this and it's not all that. It's not all this, but God's going to make it right for you. Keep on standing. Everybody stand to your feet right now. I'm almost done. But then as they get together, and the more and more of them come together, and they begin to walk, and they're not letting them walk alone, then what's happening? Just like every one of you right now, you're looking on. You're trying to figure out what's going on there. Hey, can I get a better angle to see what's happening? They're just walking in the front, but then when they begin to dance and they begin to shout a little bit, that, that you begin to get more curious. You begin to get more curious as to what's going on. What's that doing? That's sustaining. Why? Because I'm showing them the miracle of my salvation. How excited I am about my salvation. Come on now. It is not just. We've got to make every one of us understand. Kenworth, come here. I like this. What are we doing? We're experiencing some joy of our salvation. I'm not going to overlook my miracle. Holden, I don't want you to ever overlook the miracle. I don't want you to ever overlook, and I don't want you to ever forget that day that you went down in the water. I don't want you to ever forget that day, that day that you begin to speak in a heavenly language. I don't want you to ever get where you're not joyed about that. Priscilla, I don't want you to ever get to where you don't remember that mama praying and you don't remember experiencing the Holy Ghost for the first time. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever let it become dull to you. Don't ever let it become where it's just mundane to you, but it ought to excite you to worship. It ought to excite you to praise. 
Come on, some mama and daddies. You need to get behind your kids right now as we're worshiping, as we're praying right here, as we're making our way in the well. Come on, some mamas and daddies. If I got a hold of your kid right down here, if I got a hold of your teenager, you ought to be down here with them and saying, let me show you. Let me show you how to worship. Let me show you how to praise. Let me show you the joy of my salvation. It will not be an overrated. It will not be a miracle. It will not be a miracle that I will not forget. It is not something I'm not going to transfer to my children. That's it. I'm hearing the cry. That's it. It's the joy of our salvation. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you, son, that I know how to worship. I'm going to show you, son, that I still have the joy of my salvation. If you're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost, I encourage you as they sing a song of invitation to make your way to an altar and to say, God, forgive me for my sins. I want to experience this miracle. I want to experience this miracle. I will not, I will not let it go overrated. I will not let it be underrated to me. I will not let it be. I, I will not get to the point where I overlook my miracle. I want to praise you for my miracle. I want to praise you for the joy of my salvation. been redeemed that I was bought with a price Yeah. <laughs>